Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at RedtailTalk90. Uh, today, Jade will not be joining us, uh, but we are welcoming back a guest. Uh, welcome back, Izzy. Hi! <laughs> I'm Izzy, I use uh, CCR pronouns. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Shondier. I exist. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, today, we are talking about book number 29, The Sickness. Uh, it was ghostwritten by Melinda Metz, um, who uh, Jade told me was also the ghostwriter of the Roswell High books, um, but I never read those. Did you? <laughs> I did. also did not read those. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know anything about that series. I think I've heard of them before, but I haven't uh, read them at all. Um, some book-specific content warnings before we get into this uh, are for drowning, uh, potentially fatal flu-like illness, uh, described in a lot of detail, um, brain surgery slash medical procedures, uh, and panic attacks. Book 29 is pretty widely regarded as possibly the best Cassie book. It um, is so good. And for good reason. It is, uh, ex it is well written. It is, uh, extremely in character for Cassie. We get to see her be very, very competent, and we get to see her kind of at her best. Um, best and most badass. Yes. Um, and it is really a shame that we don't see this Cassie more often in the books, that she is reduced to what we saw, like, in book 28. Yeah. Um... This author, I think, really liked Cassie. Mm-hmm. I don't think this um, author disliked any of the characters, honestly. No, yeah, this author definitely seemed to have a handle, at least, on all of them, and, like, what they were all like. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if, you know, obviously some are not going to get as much screen time and are therefore going to seem more two-dimensional, just because... It's hard to shine a good spotlight on six people. Yeah. <laughs> in a book that's like a hundred pages long. Like, <laughs> you can do your best, but something's um, gonna fall through the cracks. Yeah. So uh uh, you know, it's great for Cassie and uh Marco and a little bit of Jake. Um we don't see as much of Rachel or Tobias or Axe because Axe uh, spoilers, Axe spends the majority of this book delirious out of his mind. Um, but overall, very good book. Very well written in terms of, like, the action and the tension. Oh god, yeah. Um, like, last, for the last book, we, um, complained a lot about the action scenes in that book. Because they just, like, they were confusing and they didn't really have a lot of good tension to them. And all of that, whereas this book, I mean, I barely took notes because I was <laughs> going through it so quickly because it Same. makes you keep going. 
Um, I had to I had to forcefully stop myself to go and like at least put something to remind myself. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what you were thinking about while reading this part. Yeah. And even then, like, it's still my notes are sparse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very good book. It is well regarded as uh a very good book. Um, a very good Cassie book in particular. Um uh, that said, it does deal with a lot of heavy content. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, take care of yourselves with this one. It is, yeah. mind those content warnings, because... Yeah. Um, like, the, the illness that, that Axe is subject to is a main plot point. Um, basically, it's do something or he dies from this mm. illness. Um and the brain surgery later uh, is gone into in some detail. Yeah, um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, I want to give like a this is less of like a book content warning and just kind of a hey readers be be aware there there is uh, uh, tension induced anxiety caused mm-hmm. by this book. Like it it goes and it goes hard. Yeah, I had to take a couple of breaks while reading because I was like, oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do highly recommend this book for a read, but also if those are triggers for you, definitely skip this one and take care of yourself if you choose to listen to this instead. Um, okay, so. Zoom. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, so we open on Cassie in the school lunchroom. Um, with Rachel specifically. Um, and we get the kind of standard introduction. Um, and as Jade always likes to look at the introduction and how, uh, it is painted through different characters and what it talks about about those characters. Um, we get the start off here with Cassie saying, uh, that she is neither nice nor normal. Um, She's uh, very self-deprecating to herself. In it this is, ex- yeah, part of yeah, the book. yeah. There's a lot of self-loathing in this beginning part, and it's weird because it's like it's not the self-loathing that's like actively hating herself. It's the self-loathing that's just like, yeah, I'm pretty shitty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my friends are gonna be like, oh, I'm nice, and uh, I don't know if I I agree. Yeah, but I I, I accept their opinions. Yeah. Um. Her view of what makes someone nice is definitely uh, skewed and very black and white thinking. Um, she uh, <laughs> she says, uh, Marco is always calling me a tree hugger. And even though I don't actually hug trees, I do care about them, which makes me nice, right? A girl who cares about trees can't be anything but nice. Unless that girl has also ripped a living creature's throat out with her bare teeth, which I have. Um, <laughs> and this is, <laughs> this is a callback to book 19, uh, at the very beginning, which we saw, um, where she, uh, Jake gives the order to retreat and Cassie even now is still unsure as to whether she retreated before or after, um, he, he gave that order, um, or whether she tore the hork throat out before or after he gave that order, I should say. This still makes me sad that, like, she, like, I understand why her brain still f- is focused on that. It just mm-hmm. makes me sad 
Because as an outside observer to this, it's like, war be like that. Yeah. But Cassie's yep. also 13! <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, basically, this, this is part of the reason why she doesn't think she qualifies as nice. Um, and, you know, add to that, uh, she also brings up David um, at some point here. I don't know if it's this first it's, bit. It's um, a little bit further down. Yeah. Yeah. This morphing cube was lost for a while. Now we have it again. We've used it once to add an anamorph to our group. We, then we had to subtract that new anamorph. <laughs> Which is sure a way to put that. That really is a way to put yeah. that. They but I like that it's... They, they didn't kill him. No. Yeah. They just subtracted um, him. I do like that it's brought up here because it also brings up um, it makes me, the way that I interpret it is, uh, she still counts that against herself because she's the one who came up with the plan. Um, but she doesn't think it even to herself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, it's like a subconscious, like. Yeah. It's like she can't let herself think about that. Um, but if she, she does, still... then she'll second guess the decision and might do something she should not do. Right. Um, and she knows she should. Like, this is one of those things where she's absolutely sure she should not do the thing she probably wants to do. Mm hmm. Which is um, not let David be a rat on an island forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is, uh, overall, it's very reductive thinking. Um, I have done bad things, so I cannot be nice. Um, yeah. oh. Which, of course, is not how that works, really. No. But thirteen year olds, their brains aren't done cooking. Yeah. Um, oh, that <clears throat> made myself sad. Yeah, and <laughs> and you know, whereas sometimes I might blame the author for being like, you know, why why are you making this so reductive? But I also I think it makes sense for yeah. Cassie to be thinking this way because she does tend to have uh, some of that black and white morality thinking. Especially um, concerning her own actions. Like, yes. her friends, a lot of the time, she can justify, like, why they did these. It's like, they have to. They right. have to do these things. But me, no. I do not count. Yeah. Um, yeah. Make um, myself sad thinking about how your brains aren't done cooking until you're 25. Mm -hmm. And these are really, really formative years for them. And the wiring of their brains is... Yep. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> I talk yeah. about the wiring of children's brains, I think, on every single podcast I've been on <laughs> at this point, <laughs> because it's a thing I think about a lot, mm -hmm. and it makes me sad. Uh, and then uh, we get the interesting info dump about the Yerks, because, you know, first she gives a standard, Yerks are parasites, uh, they take over their hosts completely, um by entering their brain. And then she says, you must be thinking the Yerks are pure evil, but let me tell you what it what it's like to be a Yerk who isn't in a host. Yerks are basically gray slugs, no hands, no legs, no eyes, no ears. If a Yerk wants to be free, free to really move, free to see the beauty of the world around it, free to hear music or even the sound of rain on leaves, if a yerk wants that, it has to have a host. If a yerk wants to be free, it has to make another living creature a slave. Not an easy choice, is it? However, I like that she gives this alternative perspective to yerks. Yeah. 
I really don't like this it, continuation it's, it's of this. It's about the Yerk experience. Yes. In a way that feels yes. bad. It's so... It's interesting me interesting to me both from a like a Watsonian and a doylistic perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So like the Watsonian perspective is she learned about this through Aftran, who thinks like this, who was a slaver who then decided to stop being a slaver. Um and and made that choice and framed it to herself as a very difficult choice, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because it can be if that's all you know, like, for right. life. Like, if we go back to, um, what were they called? The Howlers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they, they were essentially kids. They only knew one way of mm-hmm. existence. Yeah. And they had not been introduced to a different way of existence. So if it's all you know, it can be a difficult choice to change yes. what you only know. Yes. Um. The... But then from like a, a, a doyalistic perspective, it's we're continuing to see this particular framing around the issue, which I don't like as much. No. Because there are two ways to frame this, right? There's this way where if a Yurk wants to be free and experience the world, it has to have a host, right? Yeah. Versus the Yurks have been effectively brainwashed by the Empire to think that they must experience these outside things and that in order to do it, they must enslave these other creatures who are sub, well, for lack of a better word, subhuman. Um, yeah. Sub people, I guess. Um, sub yerk. Yeah. Lesser in some way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think the second one is, uh, a better argument. In yeah, terms of, like, a better way to frame it. Yeah, it's definitely one that this book, like, pokes at. Yeah. As as we get further into yes. it, especially towards the end. Right. Um, like, like it, it, I say that, like, I use that framing because that's the framing that's presented textually without it being said. Yeah. Right? Like, the the, the problem that I have is that they take that text and then they reduce it down to this which is not the same thing and uh is in general like it i really hate this this like false choice of like oh you either get to be free and experience the world or you make another living creature a slave yeah and Um, it also kind of removes the idea that like because We've seen in other books, like, Yerks are good with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, like, the, the, the technology now to be able to probably talk to other races without needing to be inside of another mm-hmm. race using, you know, computers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's never something that they, I, I don't, like, so far is not something that's really been a brought up option for them is like they could be like hey i want to see what sunlight looks like can i be in your brain for a little bit this Mm -hmm. is what it entails and have somebody agree to it yes and we see a really great perspective from someone who was kind of uh an imperialistic yerk who then learned to be better 
and has since grown to uh into a voluntary partnership with his host um and like that is that is also an option here <laughs> yeah um, yeah like there's options and it's the the empire is of course like no 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 yes no no <laughs> you don't do that <laughs> yeah um so so yeah this these are all going to be themes that we go into during this book um cassie I'd, with them them hard-hitting questions about ethics yeah. and morality and oh yeah. god the heart um, yeah um it's just i i don't like the reduction of oh yes you're blind and therefore not free like yeah mm, that's could mm, we not yeah, that's that's a little ableist just, just a little just, just a little bit. just just a, a smidge tiny bit <laughs> reader or listener i hope you can hear the sarcasm um <laughs> uh but yeah oh, God. um so moving on we have uh uh rachel asking cassie if you were on a desert island who would you want to be with baby spice or marco and cassie's like what <laughs> it's, like it's just an out of nowhere question while she's sitting there thinking about the morality of existing uh -huh. basically and rachel just off the cuff it's yep. the desert island game you pick two annoying people yep uh <laughs> uh but rachel even rachel's uh i do like that rachel's the one instigating this because it does show that kind of fun teenage girl bit I've, to Rachel. I've played this game before, mm -hmm. and it's just kind of a constant. You played the Desert Island game or some variation of it. Yeah. Or it's like, Would You Rather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, um, Would You Rather game. Yep. Uh, so then Rachel overhears two nearby girls talking about Jake. Um... Uh, Allison and Brittany. And Allison is thinking, maybe I should ask Jake to the dance. Uh, and Brittany's like, yeah, you should. He's gotten so cute. Um, and Cassie's just <laughs> sitting there like, that's my, my Jake? Jake. My Wait, are Jake? Are you talking my about Jake? my Jake? <laughs> Sees them looking at Jake and it's like, as in my Jake. Like, uh, we, we have to, we have to, if you don't read this, we have to say the word my is italicized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very important. The emphasis is on my Jake. Yeah. Now you're probably picturing us walking around school hand in hand, maybe kissing by the lockers <laughs> before class, but it's not like that. It's more of an inside kind of thing. We've only kissed one time, although I would like it to happen again. <laughs> They're such teenagers. Yeah. They're such teenagers. Uh, <laughs> this is one of those moments where it's like yeah they're suffering horrible they are still teenagers and they still do dumb teenager mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. like this and it's so cute yeah uh anyway rachel like speaks up for cassie and she's like allison nah -uh, jake is with cassie and allison's like with cassie why would he be with cassie uh he's over there and she's over here like they're not even sitting together you see him he's way over there and you're way over here. <laughs> Has Jake even asked her to the dance? Um, and they're not even asking Cassie these questions. They're just talking to Rachel, which is Ignoring just really Cassie. sad. Yeah. And also it's, it, mm, 
speaks a little bit to like th- this is the way that I read it, and this could be a wrong interpretation, but the way that I read it is kind of like Cassie is not even worth their time to a degree mm-hmm. in a way that's like gross. Yeah. Um, whereas Rachel also being like popular blonde girl yeah. is more worth their time. Like that's school yeah. click stuff and also like biases and things like that. Yeah. Um, especially because Cassie is black. Yes. Even though she's not really written as black. Uh it's There's like a at it, least an attempt at a poke at that. Yeah, it it's uh not great. Um no. No. But also anyway. high schoolers are fucking mean. Yes. Um so Rachel's like, "All right, Cassie, come on. We're going over there. Way over there." Uh <laughs> and so Rachel marches them over to Jake and sits down. Uh <laughs> After saying that you and my cousin make me want to hurl, Jake can face death every day, but he can't manage to ask a girl to a dance, and you're no better. <laughs> me? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> uh, so cute. She, like, puts yo- Cassie's yogurt down next to Jake, and Cassie takes the hit and sits next to Jake. And Rachel's like, alright, we're all going to the dance on Thursday. And she looks at Jake and she's like, you are taking Cassie. <laughs> and Jake and Cassie <laughs> look at each other like, uh, do you, do you want to go to the dance? After Jake, like, chokes on his macaroni and beef. Uh-huh. Because he's like, what? <laughs> um, I love this little interaction between Marco and Rachel. That's just, mm-hmm. it's really good and really indicative of their friendship. Mm-hmm. As Marco's like, so Rachel, I guess that means you need a date too, huh? I could make time in my busy schedule. Look at that! A flying pig! (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, my mistake. I thought for a minute I saw a flying pig, but I didn't, and that's the only time I would go out with you. (laughs) And, like, Cassie, as this is happening, is, like, expecting him to say, like, no, we've got, like, something else to do. Mm -hmm. We've got Animorph business to do, but then it's, like, Jake it's like, we could use a night doing something nice and normal. <laughs> <laughs> Marco pointing out what happens every fucking time. Yep. Oh, man. Marco moaned. What? Every time we try to do something nice and normal, it ends up turning out nasty and weird. Every single time. <laughs> Did you want foreshadowing, readers? Did you want foreshadowing? <laughs> You're getting it. <laughs> uh, so we cut to the dance. Um. All of the Animorphs are there, including Tobias and Axe in their human morphs. Um, It's very cute. Yep. Cassie is wearing a dress and also uh, fancy shoes and also makeup. Um, She she feels like a total dweeb. (laughs) the, the, The largest, most obvious dweeb in the history of dweebs. And somebody is checking Axe out. Yep. And we get, like, the one iteration of someone describing Axe's morph as pretty and not disturbingly pretty. Like, <laughs> more pretty than cute. Yes. I wasn't surprised that Axe was getting some attention. His human morph is cute. More pretty than cute, really. Uh, and then Tobias is like, no way, she's looking at me. 
Because <laughs> looking at Rachel to see how like Rachel would would take that, and Rachel's just like, "Oh yeah, maybe after you dance, you could take her back to your tree." <laughs> hey, chicks go wild for feathers, baby. He's <laughs> like, "Sorry, Axe had Austin Powers on his TV last night." The idea of Axe watching Austin Powers is honestly kind of horrifying. Yes, like any of the Austin Powers movies, because uh-huh. those are who. Especially uh, when we saw him uh, copying so much of the TV stuff. Yeah, I just imagine him and Tobias just back and forth, like, echolalia-ing, like, different Austin Powers quotes. Yep. Oh, God. Um, But yeah, so they're at this party, and Axe is confused as to what checking out his body means. Uh, or checking him out means and marco's like it means that girl over there is warm for your form it means she <laughs> wants your body x started to look a little nervous my body Bo- body 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 <laughs> she's making her move marco told x although if you want to get rid of her just try saying body like that a few times body body my son so much yeah and <laughs> and so allison uh who has now t- is the one who's turned her sights on Axe, comes over and is like, hi, I wanted to know if you want to dance? And Axe is like, I would like to shuffle my artificial hooves to the music with you, but you cannot have my body, my bod D, my ba D. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? I hear my friend calling me. And then she bolted. <laughs> <laughs> I love Axe. I would like to shuffle my artificial hooves to the music with you. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> he's such a good boy i'm glad that they have managed to like teach him enough that like he's not gonna be like how he has been in previous books mm-hmm. in this new experience because a dance can be overwhelming mm-hmm. especially as a 13 year old mm-hmm. god i remember my eighth grade dance yep <laughs> uh um, but Axe is doing remarkably well here, like for yeah. what we've seen in the past. Uh, he's just, you know, trying out words because that's what he does. And mm-hmm. then he's like, oh, they've got food. <laughs> <laughs> Do they possess the delightful flavors of grease, salt, and sugar here? <laughs> the three flavors. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a description of cassie getting like philosophical thinking about yurks and how they experience sensation Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because she's still even in this fun moment just constantly thinking about this Mm -hmm. um she has this like i can hardly wrap my mind around what it must feel like i have to narrow it down for myself i'll pick one thing like color then i'll close my eyes and try to imagine I've never seen any color of any kind. When I open my eyes, the array of colors around me makes me dizzy. And color is only one part of sight, and sight is only one of the new senses Yerkes experience in a host. And it's just, that's such an interesting thing for her to be thinking about in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the tack on that's depressing as fuck. I didn't bother telling my friends what I was thinking about. None of them are all that interested in considering the joys a yerk can find in a host. Not that I blame them. Yerks are the enemy. It's easier for us to do our job if we see them as evil. Pure evil. 
Uh, <laughs> she's not wrong, but she's also. not. <laughs> uh, Cassie understanding the evils of dehumanization maybe a little too well. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's it's also bad. an interesting reflection on you know how the Yorks are taught to view humans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, whoo boy. Hard hitting shit. Um, and then she tunes back into the conversation where Marco is doing the like Desert Island game with Rachel. Mm-hmm. Like, Baby Spice or Oprah? What do you have against Oprah? She's on my mm-hmm. list of people I've heard way too much about. You have an actual list? Tobias asks skeptically. <laughs> <laughs> and then a cute moment where uh, Cassie and Jake go to dance. Mm-hmm. And it's cute. Yep. Uh, I smiled. It was just dumb, normal, pointless conversation. It was nice to be normal sometimes. Jake must have felt the same way. Our eyes met. Want to dance? I'm not very good, I said. I dance like a lumberjack, Jake said. <laughs> like a lumberjack who's just chopped off one of his own legs, Marco interjected helpfully. <laughs> like a one-legged lumberjack whose remaining leg is a tree stump, and Jake grabbed my hand and pulled me out onto the dance floor. The dance floor formerly known as the best basketball court. And then I was dancing with Jake. I gave a little twirl of happiness. Is it horrible to admit that I hoped everyone was watching, especially Allison? Even if it's horrible, it's true. I liked the idea of everyone knowing that Cassie, that I, Cassie, of the sometimes bird-pooped jeans, was with Jake. Jake smiled at me. He has a great smile, even though it always looks a little strange on his face. Just because he's usually so intense making life and death decisions for us all, making more hard choices than I ever have to make. I smiled back and gave another twirl. Uh, and she looks over and is in hopes that Rachel and Tobias get a chance to have a dance by themselves. Um, let's not spend too long, but take a moment of silence for the fact that Jake is, Jake's is so frequently unsmiling that him smiling looks weird. Yeah. Eh. Uh, also fun more foreshadowing, like Jake has to make more hard choices than I ever have to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey, you got a big storm coming. <laughs> uh, I also yeah, want to say, like, go ahead. the, the, um, Cassie doing, like, little twirls mm-hmm. is, is very, like, I did that in, mm-hmm. in school because I didn't know how to fucking dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even all the kids just, like, twirling. <laughs> it's just a cute little detail. It's like Cassie doesn't know how to dance, but, like, she moves. Mm-hmm. And twirling is a very easy thing to do to be like, ah, oh, yes, this is a happy moment. Mm-hmm. It's cute. yeah, it's super cute, and, <sighs> and then it just makes me sad. <laughs> uh, and then immediately, yeah, uh, she looks back over at the others, and Rachel is looking horrified at Axe because Axe is beginning to demorph in the middle of the gymnasium. There's a lump on top of his head that's throbbing to the music. I, you know, I wasn't going to say that, <laughs> but it yep. needed to be said because yep. it's an awful image and I need all of I the listeners it. to know that it's a thing in this book that is said and it just gets worse from there. Yep. Uh, so Jake and Cassie rush over. Uh, Marco is taking his flannel shirt off. Uh, starting I love to fold that he it. wore a flannel shirt to I know. dance. I know. I I can perfectly imagine exactly what his outfit looks like. It's just by the, saying the, he has a the, flannel shirt. 
the flannel shirt and underneath the flannel shirt is definitely one of those t-shirts that's mm-hmm. just got a tuxedo print on it. <laughs> his darkest pair of jeans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some ratty chucks like yep uh he starts he starts to fold the shirt into a bandana rachel takes the shirt from marco and in like two seconds flat ties it as a bandana around axe's head uh and it looks good but here's the thing about rachel even in a crisis the bandana actually looked good yeah um they're all trying to talk Axe back into Morph, but he, at this point he's delirious. Like, he's giggling, he's continuing uh, his echolalia, um, and just, just kind of like, yeah, just kind of <laughs> swaying. Um, so, like, clearly he is not in good shape. Um, so they're looking for someplace to take him, uh, and they just try to get him out of the gymnasium as fast as possible. Um, they try to go to the locker room um, or the equipment room, but it's locked. They go to the locker room, but there are teachers supervising. Rachel says, well, there's no teacher supervising the girls' locker room. Um, so they rush out of the gymnasium. Um, and... <laughs> just when when just as they're about to get you know head towards the take axe towards the locker room he runs off towards the main exit well, after the- freaking out because allison yes. and Brittany have walked out of the girls locker room in a cloud of love's baby soft perfume and axe just screeches she wants my body mm-hmm. but he but he and then just runs away because yep. he's like Delirious, and his brain definitely took the uh, she wants your body thing in the literal direction. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. You know, which is horrifying when you're fighting a race of fucking mind controllers. Yeah. Um, oh. Marco did not think that through. No, he, he, it's Marco. Of course he didn't think it through. <laughs> um, but he's running straight towards Chapman, the known controller, uh, and Mr. Tidwell, who is apparently the strictest teacher in the school. Um, and, uh, Rachel and Cassie catch up to Axe just about the time as Chapman grabs him by the arm before he can exit. And Chapman's like, look, you can't leave unless, like, uh, one of your, uh, uh, parents comes to give you permission to leave unless the dance is over, right? After Um, Mr. Tidwell has taken Axe saying, like, he's obviously been drinking. I know this boy. I'll call his parents. Yep. Um, and Mr. Tidwell just kind of, like, marches Axe out into the hallway. Um, and Chapman's like, all right, you two can't go with them. And Cassie, thinking on the spot, says, we're his friends, we have his medication. Um, and Chapman lets them through. So they go through, um... Rachel and Marco squeeze between Axe and Mr. Tidwell. Jake, Tobias, and Cassie pull Axe down the hall to the drinking fountain and shove his head down, trying to block Mr. Tidwell's view with our bodies. Um, so Marco and Rachel are furiously lying, trying to say that, like, Jake knows what to do. This is our friend from out of town. He has some kind of epsy that he takes pills for, narcolepsy or epilepsy. Who knows? Um, and Rachel's like, in a few minutes, minutes, he'll he'll be fine. 
<laughs> Mr. Table has not budged. He's just staring straight at Axe. Yep. Uh, and Marco's like, some guys in the bathroom have cherry bombs. Uh, go. You have, like, I like the image of, like, Marco just trying this one lie and then that doesn't work and then immediately switching to this one of kids have cherry bombs in the bathroom. And it's like, Marco, why did you think that would work? That's obviously a lie. And then, and then, to, like, Axe, it's like, two legs just shoot out of Axe's chest and, like, bust into the wall. And Marco's like, see? Cherry bombs everywhere! (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, and Axe, uh, manages to get it together enough to remorph. Um... And the Jake's like, is kicking in. the medicine's kicking in. We should take him home. <laughs> um, we just have to get past Tidwell and then hope Axe can keep it together until we get outside. And so they're like, they're marching Axe down the hallway, like forming a unit around him. Uh, but the problem is that right about the time that they're about to pass Mr. Tidwell, uh, Axe's tail demorphs tears through his pants and knocks mr tidwell over um thankfully it's with the blunt side of his blade not the the edge or it would be very bad um uh cassie rushes over to mr tidwell to help him up um and is (laughs) is like uh we need to get our friend out of here sorry and mr tidwell's just like stop I know your friend is an Andalite. And like, uh, Cassie just freezes because it's like, well, that's really bad. That's really, really, really bad. And she can't come up with a lie. Like she can't, she can't be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like she can't make the words happen. Yep. Uh, I also know who you are and what you are, all of you. Uh, sweat popped out on my hands, under my arms, and down the center of my back. It was like all the moisture from my mouth and throat had migrated. Migrated and multiplied. <laughs> Mr. Tidwell was a controller. No question about that. And he me- that meant he could not walk away. Could not live to hurt us. To destroy us. I prepared to morph. I heard Axe's hooves slam into the wall again. But I didn't take my eyes off Mr. Tidwell. He looked so ordinary. Thinning gray-brown hair. A little bit of a paunch. Wire-rimmed glasses. Medium blue eyes. But that's the thing with controllers. They look like anyone. They are anyone. I am Ilum. I control Mr. Tidwell. We are both part of the Yurk Peace Movement. We have a message for you from Aftran 942. Uh, and then Cassie turns and gives Jake an I'm okay signal. Give me a minute. Because she, at, at the mention of Aftran's name, she needs to hear what Mr. Tidwell has to say. Uh, because if he knows Aftran, that might make him a friend. Maybe. Or it could not. Could be a lie. Who <laughs> could be knows? a lie. Who knows? <laughs> um, we and, get a bit about Aftran. Yeah, we get a summary what of happened. Yeah, what happened. Um, and Cassie's like, what's the message? And he says, Aftran has been taken by Yurk security. When, I demanded, is she okay? What has she told them? Why didn't you find me sooner? Mr. Tidwell held up both hands. Aftran is unharmed for now. She hasn't been questioned yet. Mr. Three wants to handle the interrogation personally. Uh, which is bad. Uh, because Aftran would definitely hold out as long as she could, but then she would end up telling the Visser everything that she knew. 
This is Vicious 3 we're talking about here. Which is also everything that Cassie knows because of the whole Cassie letting Aftrain inside of her head thing. Um, The interrogation will probably be held in the next few days because the Visser is attending a re-induction seminar in Bladeship, which... I just, I love the bureaucratic nonsense that is the Yerks that they have a fucking seminar. <laughs> um, it's uh, so dumb. Yes. And it's uh, like he's attending, which means he yes. has to sit through it. Exactly. Um, so Mr. Tidwell's like, look, I know that you know that if Aftran tells Visser 3 what she knows, it will destroy not only you, but also the Yerk peace movement. Everything will be fucking over. Um, we need your help to get her out of the Yerk pool where she is imprisoned. Um, and Cassie's like, how do we know this Cassie's isn't a trap? Like, I gotta, I gotta uh, how do we know we can smart. trust you? Because you could just smart. be telling us this how do we know this isn't a to trap? make us walk into an ambush at the Yerk pool, obviously. Um, and he says, if you couldn't Hello? trust me, you'd be dead right now. If I don't go back in, Chapman will be come looking for us. I'll be in touch. Get the Andalite out of here. Yeah, so basically Tidwell's like, Look, uh, if if you couldn't trust me, you'd be dead right now. Like, I already would have captured you and turned you over. Like, you're all right here in human morph. Like The gym could- door is right there. <laughs> Chapman is right there. There's a yerk pool underneath the school. Like, we could take you right now. Um, uh, which doesn't necessarily preclude the idea of it all being a trap, because it could just be that much more elaborate, I guess. Yeah. But also, like, probably it's not. So Mr. Tidwell's like, all right, I got to go back to the gym. So he goes back in and he's like, get, just get your friend out of here. <laughs> I want to know how the fuck Chapman didn't come out the minute he heard the banging noises. <laughs> <laughs> like, Well, it might be that he can't hear it over the sound of like all the music and shit going on in the main room. Because like they're in maybe. a side hallway. And like once you close those doors... Probably the the sound from the dance is much reduced. Yeah, gyms um, are weirdly soundproof. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's just they they have those heavy fire doors on them. Yeah. Um, so so probably he just like couldn't hear it over the sound of the music or thought that whatever he was hearing was part of what's going on at the dance. Um. But yeah. Uh. So Cassie goes back to Axe and the others, and Rachel's just like, you're, you're just going to let him walk back in there? Like, what are you doing? That's bad. Um, and Cassie's like, okay, it's fine. He's with the Yerk Peace Movement. Uh, everybody is very angry about this. <laughs> Rachel's just like, what the fuck, Cassie? And Marco's like, yeah, that's where they say please before they shove their slummy bodies into your ear and take control of your brain. What are you, crazy? Um, and Cassie's like, he saved us from Chapman. So what? And Tobias snaps uh, because all he cares about right now is getting Axe home. They're um, shorms. Which, just like, oh, my heart. Um, They're shorms. Uh, I and love them. I love them. And so Jake makes the call, like, let's just, let's get out of here. Um, so they manage to get Axe outside. Um, as soon as they get outside the school, they talk Axe through the demorph. Um, they try to 
or they basically they do they just walk him as an andalite through the city back to cassie's barn um they use tobias as their eyes overhead to kind of like take side streets and shit so people won't see them this could only be done in the 90s honestly and at night (laughs) yep uh before there were like so many security cameras on literally every building Mm -hmm. uh and then as soon as they get axe uh to the barn cassie goes directly into get shit done mode um Put him in the last stall, I instructed. Marco, fill the trough with water. Rachel, get him a blanket from the pile by the door. Jake, go to my house and get the thermometer from the bathroom. I can't use the veterinary equipment. I need the one you can use in your ear. Don't worry about my parents out. I like, I I can't use the veterinary equipment is code for, I can't stick a thermometer up Axe's butt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be, oh. (laughs) That would just be, that that was like, I read that and I was like, ah, yes, the butt thermometer. (laughs) Um, <laughs> Christ, because that would not be mm, doing yep. that on a horse is one thing. Doing that on something that can talk back, yeah. <laughs> uh, like they make rectal thermometers for humans, but that's also still, that's still. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, everyone just kind of like stops and looks at her, like, uh, that's not normal, Cassie. Um, but then uh, they all get to work because like Cassie knows what she's doing when it comes to sick animals. Not that Axe is an animal exactly, but yeah. Um Tobias asks what he can do and she tells him to get a lookout. Keep a lookout. Rachel's Marco the first one back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marco makes a comment that he feels like he's on ER. Mhm. Um I have not watched ER in so long. Yeah. Uh, Marco asks if Cassie's going to fill them in on what Mr. Tidwell said. Um, and Cassie's like, look, Axe is sick. We need to take care of that first. Which, you know, some decent priorities. Um, uh, but Rachel and Marco are both still really pretty pissed about this. They're like, if Tidwell talks, Axe is going to be worse than sick. He's going to be dead. We're all going to be dead. Um, and Cassie's just fucking ignoring them. Uh, and so she asks Axe, uh, what is wrong with him? And has he felt like this before? And he says it's Yamfoot. Um, because if it's some alien disease, Cassie doesn't <laughs> know how to deal with that. And so she's like, you need to tell me more about this, please. Um, uh, and a- Axe is struggling to talk, like struggling. Yes. Um, we, they get his hoof into some water, allow him to drink some water, um, and, uh, Cassie gets him to speak a little more. He says that Yamfoot is a disease, um, where disease organisms collect in his tria gland. I imagine this is similar to, like, someone's spleen getting infected. I think it's a spleen. See, I was, um, the way that it's described, or appendix, yeah. yeah. The way it's described, it sounded like appendicitis. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I make a couple comments about it yeah. later on, where I'm like, this definitely sounds like appendicitis. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, in the brain. Yeah, it's it. The basic idea is whatever organ it is gets super inflamed, and if you don't get the infection under control, the organ bursts and causes a lot of problems. 
When this happens in your appendix, it causes a lot of problems in your gut and can kill you. Um, when it's yam foot and the tria gland is in your fucking brain, as we learn at the end of this chapter, uh, you die. Yep. Uh, um, Axe has a fever of 95.5 degrees, uh, and they get Axe to tell them what normal andalite temperature is, which is 91.3 of your degrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which means that he has a four degree fever, which would be equivalent to like a fever of 102, which is significant considering yeah. like at 103, 104, your, or was it 400, 405, your brain melts? Um, like it gets too hot what? for the pro- <laughs> yeah it get your your body gets literally too hot for the proteins uh in your brain to maintain their structure and so they all denature and you die um, oh that's why that's why that. really high fevers are really bad for you um, I didn't know that that's terrifying yeah, yeah. Uh, why human body bad <laughs> well because it just human bodies are bad at regulating <laughs> like we <laughs> humans are evolution's way of just throwing shit at the wall to see if it sticks um <laughs> and, and it kind of stuck and but it kind of slowly stuck. sliding down the wall uh, just you know it's the same thing like how uh, uh human placentas are an arms race between the fetus and the mothers like uh it's a lot and if the placenta stays in your body it can rot and kill you yep um human birth is terrifying mm-hmm uh, but X goes on to talk about how the tria gland usually keeps disease organisms away from the rest of the body, which is why I think, because I think the spleen is connected to your, your immune system. Uh, I need to know no, no enough about the, body, the human body. Uh, it's part, it's, yes, it's part of the lymphatic system, which is part of the immune system. It stores and filters blood and makes white blood cells to protect you from infection. Um, which is why I compared it to the spleen because. Uh, here, like, the, the tria gland is not completely useless in antelites, right? It, it serves a purpose. Whereas we yeah. think the appendix, yeah. like, it might serve as potentially a, like, a storehouse for good, good, like, gut bacteria for if your gut ever gets cleaned out by anything. Um, but this, this looks more like it is quarantining disease organisms from the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. Um, and he says, you know, it's, uh, normally that's good, but if it bursts, it's very bad. The disease organisms get, organisms get loose. Um, and Axe looks at Cassie. Uh, Axe locked all four eyes on me. He took my hand and gave my fingers a weak squeeze. His skin felt cold and slick with perspiration. You must take it out or I will die, he whispered. Uh, his main eyes closed, his stock eyes drooped. When temperature goes back to normal, tria gland out or disease organisms kill. Okay. Okay, yeah. Where is the tria gland? I asked. Tired. I know you're tired, and you can go to sleep soon, but first you have to tell me where the tria gland is. I insisted. Now, Axe. My head. Axe answered. I felt the blood drain from my face. Instinctively, I turned to Jake. He was staring at Axe as if he couldn't believe what he'd just heard. The silence stretched. I'm no brain surgeon, Marco said finally, but it sounds to me like we're talking brain surgery here. And yeah. That's uh, a lot to drop on a bunch of 13-year-olds. Like, honestly, <clears throat> more than normal. Yep. Um, they moved to the other side of the barn to talk about it. 
and like what the fuck they're gonna do. Um, and they're all like, we don't know what the fuck to do. Uh, Rachel's like, maybe we kidnap a doctor. And everyone's like, okay. And then we kill him after he performs the operation. Like, what are we gonna do with the doctor afterwards? Mm. Um, oh, I really like though the thing that Cassie says to Axe mm-hmm. before they move to the other side of the barn, which is just, I'll be back in a little while. I whispered, bless your baby bones. Yeah. Cause that's what Cassie's mom says to her when she's sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Distressed uh. Izzy sounds. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's super, super cute. Um, the word slipped out of my mouth. It's what my mom always says to me when I'm sick. Poor Axe. He must really miss his mother right now. At least when I'm not feeling well, I always like my mom making a fuss over me. Um, which is sad. <laughs> my son. Mm-hmm. My poor son. Uh, but basically they come to the conclusion that like, well, we're gonna have to do surgery on an alien, I guess. Um, but the problem is that the ticking clock of, uh, Axe's <laughs> illness versus the ticking clock of Aftran's interrogation. Um, Marco and Jake, well, Marco makes a, a fucking another jab about, um, Tidwell and Jake's like, all right, can you please tell us what Tidwell said? Um. I really like the way that this conversation, uh, goes, um, because we get little details, um, about Jake as we go through here and like what he looks like. Um, like here it's, he, he is described as, uh, he scrubbed his face with his hands, his drawn, pale face. Um, and later, like, his eyes are described as glittering. And, like, he is described almost as, like, manic. Um. Yeah, it, it was, like, reading this part, it was kind of like, Jake is... Doesn't, it didn't feel like Jake was thinking everything through the way that he normally does and was yeah. leaning really heavily on everybody else. But without it being obvious. Yeah. It's really well written. Yeah. Um, it is super well done. Yeah. Uh, because we learn later, uh, just like in a couple of chapters, that uh, Jake is sick um, with this same illness. Because uh, so, apparently Yamfoot is highly contagious. Yes. But thankfully, humans don't have a tree of gland. Yep. Uh, so um, Cassie tells everybody what uh Ilim told her about Aftran and Marco immediately is like, well, it's a trap. Um and uh Cassie's like, why would they bother with a trap if they know who we are already? Um and Rachel two houses would be messy, attract attention. Yes. Um and Rachel's like it probably is a trap, but we still have to go because if he is telling the truth, then we're definitely fucking dead. Um, damned if we do, damned if we don't kind of vibes. Right. But probably more damned if they don't. Yeah. 
Because Aftran knows everything about us. Everything. Right, Cassie? Yeah. It's... I... This gave me pause, because this is Rachel saying this. This gave Mm -hmm. me pause when I read it, because, like, on the one hand, there's, like, there's definitely something here where it's, like, Cassie and Rachel never really talked that out. Well... Yeah. Um, like they, they never sat down and had a conversation about that whole situation. They just kind of like, we're just gonna be grateful that Cassie's back and pretend it didn't happen. Um, but <laughs> it comes back and bites them in the ass. <laughs> right. And so like Rachel still has a lot of emotions. Um, a, a lot of which we talked about in 19. She has a lot of emotions about. Like, everything that Cassie did. Um, so I, I like that, but also it feels, it feels very vindictive in a way that makes me cautious, especially because we don't get a lot of Rachel here to balance it out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I um, think some of it is like high emotions in yeah. this moment because they all just learned that if they can't fix what's wrong with Axe, he will die. And if they can't get Aftran, they're all gonna die. Yeah. So this is, the stakes are as high as they usually are, but at the same time, it's different because what's wrong with Axe has nothing to do with like their normal situation. This is something different and something that they don't know anything about fixing. <laughs> yes. So I can see this as Rachel lashing out in a in like a small way because like she can't figure out how to handle one situation but she knows how to handle this situation. Right. Um we Control get a little problems. Yes. Uh we get a little bit more uh summary from Cassie as to what all happened. She um Cassie is behaving like really admirably in this situation. Uh, she meets Rachel's gaze. Uh, she confirms what Rachel is saying. Um, I wasn't going to pretend that we wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for me, which on the one hand is more of that self-loathing coming up. Um, but on the other hand, like it shows a strength of character that we usually don't see Cassie having. Um, like she takes full responsibility for the yes. fact that her actions to spare two lives mm-hmm. is now putting all of them at risk. Right. Um. So because she wants, you know, she wants yeah. peace. Hmm. Hmm. Um. So basically, they decide they have to go tonight because if it is a trap, they won't be expecting us this soon. Um. And, like, we're gonna have to hope in, hope that Axe, they get, they get back before Axe hits his crisis. Um, they are worried about leaving him in the barn because Cassie's dad goes into the barn all the time. Um, and so Marco thinks, oh, well, let's get Eric because the Chi owe us, which they do. Yeah. Um, so Marco goes to get Eric to basically 
sit with Axe and be a hologram. Um, the others sit around and like try to figure out how they could possibly get into the Yerk pool. You're going because, over all the security measures, because right. the Yerks know that the entrances that they know about, at least one or two of them, there's the Glee biofilter, the hunter-killer robots, mm -hmm. and they're like, how the fuck? Mm -hmm. And then Eric shows up. <laughs> yep. Cassie asks if Eric knows anything about Andalite physiology, which he doesn't. Asks if he, uh, like, if any of the Chi are surgeons. Uh, and he's like, no, my dad, <laughs> the chi who is my dad was a doctor back in 15th century France, but he knows nothing useful. Trust me. I do also like, like before this conversation happens, it's, this is a change. Eric said, I'm usually the one giving you guys some bad news. Uh huh. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's very aware of the fact that every time he comes and talks to them, it's bad news. Mm -hmm. Um. Then Marco has the brain blast of, uh, we use the plumbing to get in. Uh, the Yerk pool has toilets. Um, if we can go through the plumbing, we can come up theoretically into one of the Yerk sinks or toilets. Um, and, uh, if they start from the water tower, then they can go with the water pressure and make it to the Yerk pool. Um, Jake is described as excited and his eyes are glittering at this point, um, and he's having to wipe his mouth. Um, combine it with, um, with all you know about the Yerk pool and, you know, like he's obviously starting to sound kind of like confused. Um, and he was quiet before this. Mm hmm. Um, Eric is able to give them kind of, uh, uh, directions for the plumbing so like all right so you're going to go into the the pipes and you're going to take the first left and then the second right and yada yada, yada. they all um, try to figure out how they're going to get through the pipes <laughs> uh tobias points out that there is uh there are eels in tubs behind the bait shop uh they're small and fast and as he tasty. points out tasty <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's easy food they're right there mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to think, like, here's the thing. I don't think that Tobias thinks about fish the same way that he thinks about, like, warm-blooded mammals, because yeah. mm -hmm. they're fish. Yep. Yeah. And Fi the one time that, like, the times that he has been fish have all sucked. Yeah. So. Well, it's also, like, you know, uh, m I would say a much larger po portion of the population has been fishing than has been hunting. Um, yeah. And, like, because when you go fishing, you're definitely killing those fish. Yeah. Uh, but you don't really think about it that way, necessarily. And it doesn't necessarily feel as bad as, like, if you went out into the woods with a gun. Um, but, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it makes sense to me that uh, he would be okay with eating fish where yeah 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 it makes sense to me too like it's just easier for him to mm -hmm. to go through the process of, of fish and i do really like when i made a face he said hey you think it's easy catching a mouse every day <laughs> <laughs> which i'm very glad to see that tobias has found places where he can get food when the hunting is rough that aren't roadkill 
Yeah, God. Because <laughs> roadkill, roadkill, especially depending on how old it is, could mm-hmm. seriously hurt him. Mm-hmm. Not to mention being next to the street. Yeah, he could get hurt from being hit by a car. There's also, like, the chemicals that are on the road that could hurt him. Yep, other uh, predators. Other predators. Uh, depending on how old the roadkill is, it could just be rotten. Mm-hmm. And if he's hungry enough, like, he'll probably eat it, but also, mm-hmm. it could hurt him. <laughs> um. Anyway, Tobias, he, Tobias goes off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tobias goes off to get the eels. Um. And meanwhile, they show Eric to Axe's stall. Um, Axe's temperature has dropped in the, like, hour or so since. Um, so we know that his fever is already on the way down. Um, which normally you would think is a good thing, but remember that when it reaches his normal temperature is when they have to do the surgery. Or is the everything go bad? <laughs> yes. Um... So Eric kind of sets up camp in the stall and puts out a hologram so that the stall looks empty. Um, uh, Cassie thanks Eric for doing this and asks if he wants a book <laughs> to read. Uh, and he says, I have several thousand books stored in my brain. Sometimes I pass the time by seeing how many I can read and comprehend at the same time. <laughs> I really love that. Like, I honest to God, I love that. <laughs> That's something that I would do with a robot character. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I need, to, I need to let the audience know, at this point in time, while I was reading the book, my cat decided that he was going to come lay on my arm and make it very difficult for me to read on my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. he fell asleep there. Yep. Uh, Tobias comes back with the eel. Um, and he lost one of them. He he lost one of them, but he they only need one, um, because they're slippery motherfuckers. Uh, and so they all acquire the eel. Um, and uh, then they head to the water tower. About an hour later, they're treading water, cold water in the water tower. Well, before that. <laughs> We do have this little bit right at the end of this chapter mm-hmm. where Cassie's, I glanced around the group. I feel like we're missing someone, I said. Then it hit me, really hit me. Axe. We'd be doing this mission without Axe. Mm-hmm. And it's like, eh. Yeah. Uh, we're sad about them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting ready to morph. Um. They're trying to remember the directions. It's really hard to remember the directions. Uh, they axe could remember them. Axe could remember no them, no problem. But uh, they don't have axe, so they're all just like trying to remember. Um, Jake's like, "All right, so remember the pipes are a road, lots of twists and turns. But if we follow Eric's instructions, we'll come out on a in a pipe that feeds directly into the yerk pool. The tap is almost always open. The yerk pool sludge is largely composed of water." Um. Rachel says, let's do this, and they all morph into an eel. Um, and then they all bite each other. <laughs> they all bite each other because they're angry motherfuckers. The eels uh, are angry and hungry. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Ra- Rachel, I am one mad little worm. This eel has serious <laughs> attitude. Okay, Ren, stop biting, including me. Cassie. <laughs> it's very good. Yep. Uh, and then they start down the pipes, um, and it is a fucking 
Mad Rush. Uh, it just is whoosh. Yeah, just whoosh. Uh, it, it they can barely pay like figure out where they are. Um, they the turns that they have to make they like learn about them maybe half a second before they have to make them. Um, because they can't see either. Yeah, they can't see. It's dark. Um, they can only hear, and even that is more like just feeling the pressure of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jake is keeping them on track. Um, and then Jake almost gets pulled into the wrong pipe. Uh, Cassie bites and holds on to him. Tobias and Marco grab onto Cassie. They manage to chain Jake back into the pipe, into the, out of the pipe and into the main current. But now Jake is really woozy um, and very out of it, and he cannot remember what the directions were anymore. Um, uh, I got a flash of him sitting in the barn with his head in his hands, then another flash of the way his eyes looked when Marco came up with the plan to get into the yerk pool. I'd thought his eyes glittered with excitement. I would have slapped myself if I had had hands. Jake was sick. Um, I think Jake is sick. That's why he's so out of it. He's feverish, and I'm afraid it may be what Axe has. If he starts having demorphing spasms here in the pipes, it would be extremely bad. Um, Rachel uh, tries to take control. Um, she says, we're not aborting the mission. Marco and Cassie, you can deal with Jake. Tobias and I will go on. Um... And Marco's like, why are you the boss? And Rachel's like, someone has to be. Um, Jake is like muttering to himself that he can't remember what direction they're supposed to be going. Cassie is reassuring him like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Marco's like, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to happily follow some deranged violence junkie. And Rachel's just like, you don't want me to be a leader? Fine. How about Cassie or Tobias? Um and Jake, or and Cassie's just like, everyone, please stop. You're talking about Jake like he isn't here. He's right here. <laughs> um, Jake, I think you have Yamfoot. What do you want us to do? Uh, Jake, did you hear me? And eventually Jake says, let's get out of here. Um, Rachel argues, Rachel tries, yeah, yeah, shouldn't two of us go on? And he's like, no, no, we all get out. Uh, he doesn't know how to get out. Um, they're lost. Um, but Tobias says, uh, that the currents have got to be like, uh, air currents. Um, basically, uh, the wind doesn't, like, he compares it to flying through a canyon. The wind doesn't blow through canyon walls. It can only blow straight out through the opening. If you ride it sooner or later, it'll take you out. It has to yeah. come out somewhere. Yeah. I do, I do really like that this is a very, very, uh, high tension like moment where you see firsthand as it happens because a lot of times what happens is when somebody is removed from the group it's kind of less immediate than where they're like completely discombobulated mm -hmm. but this is like an immediate they don't know what to do yeah when jake's out of commission yeah. and they're arguing with each other and not able to make a real decision until somebody tries to step into jake's role mm-hmm which yeah. works out mostly. <laughs> well, it does. It like they would still be there arguing, except that Cassie asks Jake what to do and gets Jake to 
say in his delirium what they should do. Like, yeah. It's like, um, hey, we need, we need, we need you to make a decision for us or else we're just going to keep being here. Yep. Which I, it's, it's interesting that even like in like the fever, Jake can realize that, like, no, like, oh, I do need to make a decision here. Mm-hmm. We need to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, his brain's priorities. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, and like, he's not suddenly this confused. Like we saw him this confused back in the barn. Yeah. It just it makes me think of like the amount of uh like focus he had to pull together to just hold on to. We're going to go down these pipes and we're going to follow these instructions. Like. And then something happened that made him break his focus. Exactly. And he lost it. Exactly. Um, but I've been, I've been, I've, I, I have been sick in having to go to work before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, we've all made the, the bad capitalism decision of going to work sick. Yep. Um, and then having to go home because something happened and you're like, oh, well, that fuck mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but take note of this conflict between Rachel and Marco as to who essentially is second in command. Um, because that oh, will no. come up again. No, oh, no. Uh, and like, like later, later <laughs> in other things, in other things. Yes, it will come up. Oh, um, and, uh, it's it's interesting to me to consider the kind of like two possibilities um because oh, now you're making me sad cuz now my brain is like wait why would they argue about this more well i mean jake's sick here um he's mm. there there are a lot of different reasons why jake couldn't lead a mission uh-huh um, uh but uh with rachel being the very like aggressive gung ho uh leader um who kind of naturally steps into that role but then marco might actually be a better choice because he thinks about things <laughs> uh it's just it's interesting to me in terms of like the the group dynamic um yeah and uh like can can the group function with a leader but not a berserker um or a leader but not a strategist kind of thing is yeah. is interesting to yeah. me it's also interesting like cuz we see a few times in this book like if cassie doesn't have the time to think she would be a good leader right but she constantly second guesses yeah. herself and yeah. her decisions yeah, it's it's interesting to me that like Rachel's like you don't want me to be the leader. How about Cassie or Tobias? But she doesn't say Marco. Like Marco is not to in her mind as one of the options for leader. Um, and the same I think is true of Marco. Um, but Cassie and Tobias are to both of them further down on the chain of command. Um, and it makes sense, uh, to think about. And if you think about the demorphing, actually, uh, demorphing, uh, goes through 
like set uh, uh, puts this out specifically. Like it, it, uh, what's the word? Um, I can't help you here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my, the other brain cell is currently not here. Um, <laughs> the, they, they make it textual, right? Um, yeah. With like, it's not subtext. It's just text. Right. What the chain of command is and the kids recognizing that there is a chain of command. Um, and it's really interesting to me for the same reasons that it's interesting to me here. Uh, so they ride the, the water currents out of the pipe system. Um, eventually they end up coming out of a fire hose. Just hurtling through the air. Hurtling through the air towards a burning building. Uh, they land in the burning building, demorph in the burning building, uh, run upstairs in the burning building, uh, morph birds and fly out. <laughs> <laughs>